Coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the award-winning Parareality Radio. I'm Sandman, and I'll be your host for the next hour tonight. Good evening, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. Well, it's Friday, August 2nd, 2019, and of course, that means that it's time for another episode of your favorite paranormal podcast, Parareality Radio. Tonight's episode will be the second part in my three-part summer series on conspiracy theories about the moon. In the first part, I talked about several theories surrounding the actual moon missions, the missions to the moon itself, mainly that the landings were faked by NASA and the U.S. government, and not just one or two of them. All of them were faked according to a large number of conspiracy theorists. I think that I successfully debunked that theory, so that moves us to tonight's episode, the hollow moon theory. The Apollo moon landing missions were surely a giant leap forward for mankind. However, apart from being the first set of missions to take men to the moon, there was something else about one particular mission, and that was Apollo 12 which launched in November of 1969. Now, this was equally as significant, not to mention absolutely bizarre. It was what took place when NASA decided to crash one of the spent lunar modules on the moon's surface. That really was strange. Scientists, you see, wanted to find out what the geological makeup of the moon was like. So they devised an experiment which involved the use of seismic sensors to measure the lunar vibrations. Once these sensors were in place on the moon's surface, scientists had a a spent rocket lift off and stage crash into it. And the module impacted the lunar surface with a force equivalent to a one-ton TNT bomb and created its own crater on the moon. What the seismic sensors subsequently recorded, however, sent the whole of NASA ringing. When the collision happened, the moon literally rang like a bell for more than half an hour. This phenomenon was highly unexpected and much to the contrary of what would have happened on a planet like Earth, right? This extraordinary event led many to wonder that since the moon rang like a bell, could it also be hollow like a bell? Well, to get the answer to that question, you're going to have to continue to turn on, tune in, and find out on tonight's episode. Because before I get started, let me tell you how you can get in contact with me, because there are a few different ways that you can go about doing this. First, you can visit the show website, parareality.com. Uh, that you can find out all kinds of information about the show there. You can listen to current and past episodes and watch some show videos and stuff like that. And if you just want to fill out the contact form, you can find it on the About page. Just fill out the form there at the bottom of the About page. Or, which is much more simple, you can just send an email to the show. My email address is sandman at parareality.com. You can also find the Parareality Radio Facebook page by looking for Parareality Radio on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, too, and you can follow me there. My handle on Twitter is at Parareal Radio. That's at 
Parareal Radio, all one word. And finally, you can still call into the studio line at 615-692-1170 and leave a message. That number to call once again is area code 615-692-1170 and leave me a message. Just be aware that if you do leave a message that I may play your comment back on the show, simply by leaving me a message is giving me permission to play your comment back. If you do not want me to do that, please let me know somewhere as you speak in this and leave me a message at the beginning, at the end, somewhere, so I don't accidentally play something back that you don't want played back. You know, I can also answer the phone as well because now I'm back to doing the show in a bi-monthly or bi-weekly podcast, excuse me. Um, it seems like I'm always here in the studio working, so I just may actually uh, pick up the phone and answer it. Um, so you never know. Take your chances. You, uh, I'm here all times of the day and night, different hours of uh, the day, different hours of the night. I'm here different uh, days of the week. I don't have a, a, a set schedule that I come into the studio and, and work on the show. Um, I'm just I'm here, seems like a lot, <laughs> now that I'm back doing the show on a bi-weekly basis. So those are all the different ways that you can get in contact with me, Sandman, your host here on Parareality Radio. And if you have like if uh, some sort of a paranormal story that you want to tell about, maybe you don't necessarily want to be interviewed on the show, but maybe you uh, just want to tell a little story. Maybe you don't have enough. Uh, maybe what happened to you isn't is, isn't enough to cover a one hour episode or. Heck, I don't know, maybe you're just shy, don't want to be interviewed or whatever, but if you got a paranormal story you want to tell, call the studio line and, and leave a message. If you get cut off while you're leaving the message, just call right back. I think it's the, the uh, uh, you're limited to how long you can, you can speak. I don't know exactly how long that is. I think it's probably like five or six minutes or so. But yeah, if you get cut off, uh, call back and pick up right where you left off. So call the studio line, 615-692-1170. Email the show, sandman at parareality.com. Follow me on Twitter at Radio, or look me up on Facebook. That's Parareality Radio on Facebook. And before I get into the uh, the meat of the show this evening. I want to read a uh, fan mail. Um, you know, I used to do this all the time back in the day, and I kind of got out of doing it. And uh, uh, I don't know why. I just stopped doing it one day, and I never picked it back up. But I want to try to get started back to uh, reading emails that you guys send to me. So I always pick out one kind of interesting one. And uh, so here is this week's email it comes from c.s lewis and c.s writes i find nasa actions speak louder than words they don't study the moon they study black holes the moon is a black hole until light hits the moon see earth from nasa explorers point of view it's a world of deception the beings speak a language of deception the moon appears to disappear. Also, I see a rabbit design over the moon's face. The moon is the original rabbit hole to Earth. All right, CS. Well, thanks for that email. You know, it's, it's uh, 
100% sure I, I understand what you're trying to, to say there. I mean, I, I, I get that uh, you think that uh, um, as far as the, from NASA's point of view, um, it's kind of a, they're kind of deceiving the world. Right. That's what it sounds like to me that you're saying is that uh, NASA is deceiving the world. Um, and, you know, I'm going to have to partially agree with you on that, CS. Um, I think that NASA does uh, deceive us by limiting um, the information that they give us. I think that they alter some of the information that they give us and they alter some of the images that they give us. I don't think that they do this uh, to hide evidence of uh, uh, a secret alien base on the moon or anything like that. I think they do it for reasons of probably uh, national security as maybe ordered by the United States government. But I could be wrong. I, I would love to be proven wrong if I am wrong, and I'll be the first to admit it. But I, I really don't think that NASA does anything that's uh, trying to hide the existence of aliens from us. And like I said, I could totally be wrong on that. And if I am, then then I am. Thank you for that email, CS. And uh, anybody out there, you want to send an sh- uh, email into the show, email me, sandman at parareality.com with your questions, comments, good, bad, ugly, in between. I don't care. I read them. I'll, I read everything. And I just may read your uh, email on the show as well. So uh, that does it with all the preliminary stuff. Let's get right into the, the heart of the matter, which is what we want to talk about tonight. And that is the hollow moon theory. The moon's often described as having a divine feminine energy, the female counterpart to our sun. It's a source of cosmic phenomenon, providing us with things like beautiful eclipses, the changing of the tides, and hopefully a future staging point for missions to Mars and and maybe even beyond. But in one of the most striking of cosmic coincidences, the moon's about 400 times smaller than the sun, and it's also about 400 times closer to the earth than the sun is. This fact makes both the heavenly bodies appear to be of the same size and also results in the phenomena of total solar eclipses taking place. And when we start to look at the moon under a closer lens, a number of aberrant characteristics suggest that it just might be hollow and that there may be a secret moon base. So, One of the things that we have already talked about tonight is that the moon has a tendency to ring like a bell when it's struck hard enough. The Apollo missions and subsequent moon landings have been at the center of controversy and conspiracy for years. There's been interminable debate as to whether we actually landed on the moon. If we did, what did we find there, or to what extent NASA has been hiding information from us. But amid the quarreling and and the speculation and the conspiracy theories, the number of anomalous features on the moon has puzzled scientists and conspiracy theorists alike. Toward the latter uh, end of the Apollo missions, NASA astronauts placed seismic recording devices on the lunar surface to document artificial and 
natural moonquakes. Their equipment recorded activity ranging from uh, meteor strikes to man-made explosions and crash landings of Apollo rockets. Even the sun's heat, believe it or not, created seismic activity when it caused the moon to thaw on a daily basis. The astronauts were given a series of um, Apollo Lunar Surface Experiment Packages, or OSEPs. They were given a, a series of these OSEPs to set up seismographs and initiate detonations ranging from shotgun-like charges to mortars with multiple grenades. Eventually, NASA intentionally crash-landed the Apollo 12 module as well as the uh, uh, Saturn um, 4B rocket, setting off an explosive force equivalent to nearly 12 tons of TNT. What they found was that the moon rings like a bell, reverberating sometimes for hours at a time. Now, not knowing much about the moon's material composition, NASA and the Apollo astronauts were astounded by what they heard and the results that it entailed. Clearly, the moon's density was significantly less than the Earth's. The moon is a little more than one quarter the size of Earth which is another bizarre characteristic when you compare it to any other natural satellite in our solar system, in our, in our little area of the universe here. Of all the moons in the solar system, ours is the fifth largest. No other planet that we're aware of has a moon that's as proportionately big as ours, though. All other planets with moon that size are planets that are massive gas giants. Neptune, the closest in size with a moon that big, is four times the size of Earth. The moon's about 2,100 miles in diameter compared to the Earth's nearly 8,000 mile diameter. Yet, the mass of the moon is only 1.2% of Earth's, while the volume of the moon is only 2% of the Earth's. Excuse me, I had to take a little drink there. My throat's dry. After NASA conducted all of these tests, it concluded that the moon has a similar composition to our planet here, although significantly less dense with a, a crust that's uh, 31 mile of mineral... Uh, uh, you know how, guys, I'm really horrible with pronouncing words, uh, plagioclase, plagioclase, there you go, plagioclase, uh, uh, a mantle of olivine and pyroxene and a very small core of iron and sulfur. But when the Apollo astronauts first landed on the moon, they had difficulty drilling into the surface of the craters, which are in themselves anomalies. Craters are thought to be the result of meteorite and asteroid impacts. In other words, there should be a certain proportion between their depth and their width. Instead, many wider craters have similar depths to significantly uh, more narrow craters, with some even appearing to be like convex-shaped. And when astronauts attempted to drill into some of the craters, they were barely able to penetrate the surface 
discovering processed metals like brass, mica, and even pure titanium. So with that being said, is the moon a spaceship or is it some sort of is there some sort of secret moon base there? Well, the spaceship moon theory, also known as the Vassen Schleckerbov theory, is a theory that claims the Earth's moon may actually be some kind of an alien spacecraft. The theory was put forth by two members of the Soviet Academy of Sciences, Michael Vassen and Alexander Shcherbakov, in, uh, let's see, July of uh, 1970, an article entitled, Is the Moon the Creation of Alien Intelligence? That's the article these two guys wrote. Uh, their thesis was that the moon is a hollowed-out planetoid created by unknown beings with technology that's far superior to anything that we've got on Earth. Huge machines would have had to have been used to melt rock and form large cavities within the moon with the resulting molten lava spewing out onto the moon's surface. The moon would therefore consist of a... Um, for lack of a better description, a hull-like inner shell and an outer shell made from metallic um, rocky slag type material. Now, for unknown reasons, the spaceship moon was then placed into orbit around our planet Earth here. And their theory relies heavily on the suggestion that large lunar craters that are generally assumed to be formed from uh, meteor impacts, are generally too shallow and have a flat or even like the convex bottoms that I was talking about earlier. Small craters have a depth proportional to their diameter, but larger craters aren't, they don't appear to be deeper. It's theorized that small meteors are making a cup-shaped depression in the rocky surface of the moon, while the larger meteors are drilling through a five-mile-thick rocky layer and hitting a high-tensile hull that's underneath all of this. And additionally, the authors note that the surface material of the moon is substantially composed of different elements, chromium, titanium, and zirconium, from the surface of the Earth. They also note that some moon rocks are older than the oldest rocks on Earth, and they postulate that the moon comprises a rocky outer layer a few miles thick, covering this strong hull that we were talking about that's what they postulate could be as thick as 20 miles. And beneath that, there's a void, possibly, containing some sort of atmosphere. Now, you fast forward to uh, 1975, a man by the name of Don Wilson published um, Our Mysterious Spaceship Moon, in which he compiled what he considered to be supporting facts for this very theory. In 1976, George H. Leonard published Someone Else uh, is on the Moon, in which he reprinted numerous uh, NASA photographs of the lunar surface and suggested that 
large scale machinery could be seen in some of these pictures. Readers have generally not been able to discern these same artifacts, these same machines that he points out. Uh, I have admittedly not seen all of the pictures that uh, Mr. Leonard uh, published in his book, but I have seen a, a, a small handful of them, and I will have to agree, I do not see anything that looks like any type of large-scale machinery in any of these pictures. This is something, uh, apparently, that only this man could see. Um, it gets back to the whole pareidolia thing. You know, your mind makes up images to try to explain stuff, and I think his mind was making up some images to try to explain his theory. <laughs> now, while it might seem far-fetched that we're being, I don't know, surveilled by some sort of extraterrestrial race that has a base on the moon or that uh, a hollow moon may have been intentionally placed on Earth's orbit as some sort of secret moon base or whatever, there's a, a plethora of inexplicable facts about the moon's relationship with the Earth. To this day, there are several theories that attempt to explain how the moon ended up orbiting our planet, but none really have been like absolutely accepted. And this leads many people to believe that the moon is actually some sort of, of spaceship or, or satellite or something like that that was intentionally placed in orbit around the Earth. Without the moon orbiting precisely where it is, it's possible that life on Earth wouldn't even exist at all, or at least wouldn't have evolved to the point that we have now. In fact, it's estimated that less than 10% of all terrestrial plants in the universe have an Earth-to-moon ratio like ours, which provides the stability that's necessary to maintain a climate that can harbor life. The size of the moon is such that it affects the axial tilt of the earth or, or the way that the earth wobbles on its axis, changing uh, like a single degree over the course of thousands of years, something like that. Uh, this one degree of movement is necessary for stability of the climate. Without the moon's balance, the Earth could tilt as much as 85 degrees every million years or so. That's the, the data that I got. And this could cause, as you can, can imagine, some drastic changes in our climate. This would adjust the orientation of the Earth to the sun so significantly that the sun would shift to be situated directly over the poles rather than the equator where it is currently at. And life could not evolve during such radical shifts, according to scientists. Now, who would have thought that the moon being the size that it is and where it is has affected life on earth as much as it has and you know they're saying that the moon is slowly moving away from uh, earth's orbit 
at a rate of 1.48 inches a year. Now, that may not seem like a lot, but if you look at this over time, millions and millions of years, assuming that the Earth is still around in millions and millions of years, and it's still habitable, or even if it's not habitable, who knows what kind of life there will be on the on the planet. But anyway, how will how will the moon moving away further away from the earth affect our ability to habitate the earth? How will it affect what happens with our plant life? How will it affect our tides? How will it affect our oceans, our ocean life? How will it affect the life of of the balance of everything, life of, of mankind. So who would have thought that the moon um, played such a radical uh, part in the development of life here on Earth? So we've talked about the moon possibly being some sort of secret moon base so you have to ask this question is the moon artificial was it placed here um, in the precise location that it is in the precise diameter that it is in order to propagate life on earth or or maybe even speed up evolution in some way well there are two ways that planets typically acquire moons through uh Accreation or capture. The process of capturing a moon is just like it sounds. A moon will drift into the orbit of the planet and become trapped in its gravitational field, and bam, there he goes moving around. The process of accretion, this is when the moon is formed at the same time as the planet from the accretion disk of the solar system. But this theory has been widely dismissed due to the differences in core composition and the fact that the moon's almost a billion years older than the Earth, so scientists say. In fact, the mineral compositions of rocks found on the surface of the moon varies drastically from those that are found here on Earth. The abundance of titanium is one example of such an anomaly with certain lunar samples containing up to 10% of this mineral. The, the, the highest abundance of titanium-rich minerals on Earth has never exceeded 1%. There are other processed metals found on the moon like mica and brass, as well as the presence of radioactive elements like uranium-236 and neptunium none of which are found naturally on Earth. Now, Neptunium sounds like some sort of made-up shit from a 1950s sci-fi movie, right? Uh, we have to get the Neptunium to destroy the advancing Neptune men race. I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm making up. But <laughs> you get my point, right? So, the astronauts brought back moon rocks in the Apollo missions. And these moon rocks gave us another surprise. They were magnetized. Scientists, of course, were just baffled by this, having previously assumed that the moon never had any kind of magnetic field. The Earth's magnetism is thought to be the product of an internal um, dynamo, for lack of a better word, in which the 
the the rotation and the electrical conducting liquid iron in the core generates this magnetic field. However, the moon wasn't believed to have a core large enough to generate this type of dynamo mechanism. So how did these moon rocks get magnetized? And how can you explain the abundance of titanium as much as 10% of the lunar of some of the lunar samples had 10% titanium? How do you explain this? Now, there are people, there are theories that say that the moon was actually formed of the earth. That when the earth was created, that uh, there was a um, uh, clashing of the planets, so to speak. And that the earth, the excuse me, the moon was a big hunk of the earth that flew off into space and didn't fly far enough, was caught in our gravitational field, and formed what we know today as our moon. Now, if you think about that, that means you have to add the diameter of the moon to the Earth, right? So the Earth was just only slightly bigger than what it is right now. But another thing you have to think about is if we were impacted by something, an uh, asteroid, meteor, another planet, whatever, and a hunk of the earth as big as the moon flew off, wouldn't there be a big chunk of the earth that was missing somewhere, <laughs> you know, or a big crater or something? Um, that may be stupid to, to postulate, uh, but, I mean, the the earth and the moon just seem too round, if you know what I mean. Um, there's not a crater that's big enough that I know of that the moon could have come from. Now, if you are an ancient astronaut theorist, specifically speaking a Sitchinite, talking about Zechariah Sitchin, he has a theory called the Tiamat Planetary Theory. Um, Sitchin, Zechariah Sitchin, just a brief history, he was born in Azerbaijan but raised in Palestine. Uh, he was a best-selling author who promoted the ancient astronaut theory of mankind's origins. He attributes the creation of the ancient Sumerian culture to the Nephilim from the planet Nibiru and claims that the asteroid belt was once a planet which the Sumerians called Tiamat. In his books, The Twelfth uh, Planet and The Cosmic Code, Zechariah Sitchin outlines this celestial battle as described in the Babylonian text, the Enuma Elish. Now, Tiamat, as outlined in the Enuma Elish, is a goddess and a monstrous embodiment of primordial chaos. She gives birth to the first generation of gods, and she later makes war upon these same gods, and she is split in two by the storm guard Marduk, who uses her body to form the heavens and the earth. <clears throat> Through Sitchin's studies of Sumerian cosmology, he believes there's an undiscovered planet which follows a long elliptical orbit reaching 
our inner solar system roughly every 3,600 years, and this planet is called Nibiru. Nibiru is the planet associated with Marduk and the Babylonian cosmology. Nibiru is also known as Planet X, and Sitchin claims that one of Marduk's moons, or Nibiru, struck Tiamat, breaking her in, into two separate pieces. And on a second pass, Marduk itself, which was an enormous cosmic entity, struck Tiamat, smashing one half of the planet into, into pieces, which became what the Sumerians called the Great Band, otherwise known as the Asteroid Belt. And that resides 205 to 300 million miles from the sun. The second half being struck again by one of Marduk's moons, which pushed into a new orbit and created what we now know as Earth. This event was said to have happened 4.5 billion years ago. And <clears throat> it goes on and on to describe the creation of, of the other planets, but that's kind of the uh, Tiamat planetary theory as uh, postulated by Zechariah Sitchin. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, I myself am a Sitchinite. I have read all of Zechariah Sitchin's books. I've got them on my bookshelf at home. And um, I really do think that he was onto something as far as what he wrote about with the Sumerians. He, he's not saying, uh, it's not him saying all these things. He is interpreting the cuneiform tablets that were written in ancient Sumerian, and he was, while he was still alive, may he rest in peace, he was one of the only handful of people on the entire planet that could could read and interpret this. Now, a lot of people say that his, uh, his, he's wrong, that he was misreading, that he's full of crap. Um, I tend to, of course, like I said, I'm a Sitchinite, so I tend to fall under the Sitchin bandwagon. He's saying that he is not telling us this. This is not his theories. He's just translating the stories, and he is telling us these stories. So if you don't know about Zechariah Sitchin, which if you listen to this podcast and others like it, I'm sure that you do. But if you don't know about Zechariah Sitchin, please do yourself a favor and go purchase The Twelfth Planet because that is a, it's an amazing book. It's an eye-opening book. It's not uh, one of those reads that's going to, uh, uh, you're not going to read it cover to cover in one sitting. It's very complicated. Um, there's a lot of uh, names and numbers and stuff to remember. Uh, to, but if you haven't read it and you are especially if you're an ancient astronaut theorist. Shame on you for not reading it. Uh, but if, if if you are an ancient astronaut theorist you and you haven't read this book, you definitely owe yourself a purchase on this. You, you must read it. Even if you're not an ancient astronaut theorist, you still need to read this book. I highly recommend it. And no, I'm not getting paid by the estate of Zechariah Sitchin to say these things. Just full disclosure there. So getting back 
I got off on my soapbox there for a minute, getting back to the moon theories. Do we have proof that the moon is hollow? Well, according to Zulu legend, and yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about Zulu legend here. According to Zulu legend, our hollow moon was put in place by two brothers with scaly fish-like skin. Now, here we go with some names again. You know, I... I suck. I, it, when I say them in my head to myself, I sound really great. And then I try to open my mouth and say them, and then I just it just comes out like freaking vomit or something. So, I'm, and, and I don't speak Zulu, so I'm going to try this. <clears throat> the legend of uh, the legend tells of two brothers, Wawane and Mapanku, who brought the moon to Earth after stealing it from a great fire dragon. They're said to have emptied out the egg-like satellite of its quote-unquote yoke, subsequently placing it in orbit around the Earth. Prior to this, the planet was said to have been shrouded in a sheath of watery mist, which came raining down to Earth once the moon came into orbit. Some believe that this massive influx of water may be referenced to the Great Flood that destroyed the antediluvian civilizations. The two brothers mentioned also bear similar characteristics to Inki and Enlil of the aforementioned ancient Sumerian lore who are responsible for instituting the first civilizations of man and are often depicted wearing fish garb. Especially Inki because he was of, uh, of the sea. That was his domain. Once again, that's all explained in Zechariah Sitchin's The Twelfth Planet. I'm not going to, to bore you with, with uh, all that. That's, a, that's for another show. Another strange characteristic recorded on the, the moon from one of uh, Apollo 14's uh, offsets was the presence of a cloud of water vapor on the moon. After 40 years... NASA reported finding the presence of water in rock samples brought back from these missions, and they said that the discovery would change how we think about the moon, which obviously it does. A further examination showed that this water had twice the levels of a uh, deuterium isotope compared to water found here on Earth. Furthermore, they said there was a reason to believe that there are 600 million tons of water trapped in craters on the moon. That's fascinating. That is amazing. At the time of the Apollo 14's discovery of water vapor, NASA claimed that it was the result of ruptured water tanks that had leaked earth water, for lack of a better term, into the atmosphere. Now, this cloud of vapor covered 100 square miles and lingered for about 14 hours before it dissipated, making NASA's explanation improbable considering the tanks they were referring to, well, they only contain between 60 and 100 pounds of water. So, mm, I don't think that's going to go and cover 100 square miles, right? Once again, an explanation by NASA that doesn't fit the uh, the evidence, so to speak. And that gets back to what we were talking about at the beginning 
which was, you know, from from uh, C.S. Lewis's um, comment. Yes, NASA does sometimes lie to us. Once again, I am not saying that NASA uh, is keeping things secret, like there's an alien race on the moon or anything like that. But hey, they could be. They could be. NASA also claimed that the water from the rupture tanks simultaneously burst. But that's kind of improbable because they were over 100 miles apart. So why would NASA make like, you know, such an absurd claim like this? And why did it take 40 years to analyze these moon rocks and discover that there were water in these samples that were brought back from the Apollo missions? So you have to ask, could the water be coming from an internal source, maybe one that NASA doesn't want us to know about? Once again, NASA does lie to us. They lie to us all the time. Now, I'm not saying that there is a secret race of Nazis on the moon. I'm not saying that there's a uh, extraterrestrial civilization living on the moon that's that's observing us. But I mean, it's very obvious that NASA gives explanations a lot that don't match the evidence. And the only reason that I can think of that they would be doing this if they're not keeping Nazis on the moon or, which is going to be one of the other shows, by the way, uh, if they're not keeping, you know, extraterrestrial civilization or some sort of ancient moon base from us, the only reason that I can think of that they are keeping this would be that it's something that the United States government doesn't want them to share with the public. They don't want that data brought out. Now, why would the U.S. government not want that data brought out? Could there be evidence that there was once some sort of ancient civilization living on the moon? Could there be evidence that there was once an atmosphere on the moon and the moon was inhabited? much like the, what the earth is. That's a possibility. But whatever the case is, you and I probably aren't going to ever know unless disclosure takes place, which, you know, uh, people keep saying in the, in the UFO community, we are getting closer and closer to disclosure. You know, they say that every year. This is, you know, we're getting closer. It's, it's going to be soon. It's going to be soon. You know, um, I have to say, uh, I'm always skeptical about disclosure, but with the way that mainstream media is now treating UFOs, thanks to the ATIP program being made public, I think that uh, maybe the ufologists are actually onto something. Maybe we are on the verge of disclosure. Maybe in our lifetime, we will get to witness disclosure. Wouldn't that be amazing? God, I, I, you know there has to be, uh, I'm a proponent of extraterrestrial life. There has to be other intelligent life out there in the universe because the universe is too big. You're an idiot if you think that Earth is the only planet in the whole entire universe that has intelligent life on it. That's just statistically 
in my opinion, statistically impossible. So let's uh, let's kind of want start winding things down. I know I still got 15 minutes, but hey, we can stretch this out, right? So is there really evidence to support the idea that our moon may be hollow? Well, we've seen it up there our whole lives, that big glowing white ball in the night sky. There have been some bizarre theories about it over the centuries, but given our level of advancement in today's age, there may not be anything more bizarre than what we've already talked about. There may be nothing more bizarre than just, you know, some benign, uh, hey, we, you know, have some anomalies here that we can't explain. The moon's widely thought to have come about as a result of an ancient collision between the Earth and another planet back when our solar system was just forming. It's a large satellite, at least when you compare it to the Earth. We've had so far that we know of 11 human beings who've walked on its surface, but no one's set foot on the moon in over 40 years now. Scientists think they have a good idea of what the moon's all about, but what if they're wrong? There are those who believe that the moon is a hollow sphere, and what goes inside it is way more interesting than what happens on the surface. And I would have to agree, if there is a hollow moon, I think that whatever's going on underneath the surface is way the hell more interesting than what's going on on the outside. Other people say that the moon is it's artificial and may even be some sort of uh, like starship of some kind parked in orbit by an alien race thousands of years ago. Or maybe it's some sort of satellite uh, or an observation station that was placed there by an ancient race to observe the human experiment that they were conducting. Could our best researchers and astronomers could they have been wrong about the moon for all these years? And even the very men who landed there, were they totally oblivious of the truth too? Or worse, is there a dark conspiracy at work here? And maybe the governments, not just the United States government, but all the governments of the world are hiding the secrets surrounding our hollow moon. There's no doubt that the hollow moon theory has existed for centuries and it it's been a key component in several works of fiction but one compelling piece of evidence often cited is the experiments done by the apollo missions back in the late 1960s after placing these seismic sensors on the moon a spent liftoff stage of the lunar module was sent crashing down to the moon's surface causing massive reverberations like the ringing of a bell. Each time the experiment was repeated on subsequent missions using a spent rocket stage, the moon would ring or reverberate sometimes for as much as several hours. Now this is a very different reaction than the earth would exhibit to such an impact. To many, this means that the moon must have some sort of a hollow interior. After all, what else would cause the reverberations, right? Of course, NASA hasn't reached the same conclusion. In fact, the Bell story 
is sometimes said to be a misunderstood analogy rather than a more literal description of the reaction of the moon to the impact. But nonetheless, it's an interesting piece of the puzzle. NASA does, though, acknowledge the bizarre nature of moonquakes and that smaller quakes tend to last much longer than similar quakes on Earth. So the bottom line here is that there's still a great deal that we need to learn about the moon because as many times as we've been there and as much as we think we know, there's still more that we don't know. And that, my friends, is everything that I've got on the hollow moon theory. What do you think? Do you think that the moon is hollow? Do you think that it's a secret alien base? Do you think it's a satellite? Are there aliens living inside the moon right now observing the earth with this human experiment that they've done? Now, one of the more interesting things that I that I didn't mention is, is that uh, in the Apollo missions... Um, I don't know if it was Neil or Buzz, but one of the two of them supposedly said on a uh, private channel that wasn't uh, being broadcast to the rest of the world. Because, you know, you had ham radio operators and, and amateur radio enthusiasts that were listening in on everything that was being said, right? But there is a private channel supposedly that NASA has. Not supposedly. They do have it. And Buzz or Neil, one of them said uh, something to the effect of that uh, they're being watched, that uh, they could see the people like on a ridge line or something like that, uh, off in the distance watching them. I don't have um, the exact quote right here in front of me, but um, that is one of the legends. So did Neil and Buzz... Um, on that first encounter on the moon, did they find out what the real deal is? Did these aliens, these extraterrestrials who are living inside the moon, observing the earth, did they come out and make contact with them? Did they maybe take them in their secret base? I don't know. I tell you one thing that you don't want to do though, is you don't want to go up to Buzz Aldrin and call him a liar and a traitor and say that he never landed on the moon because he'll punch you in the fucking face seen him do it a couple of times it's terrific he's 89 and he's still punching people in the face don't call me a liar don't call me unpatriotic don't call me a traitor way to go buzz all right well that that does it for, for uh, i crack myself up sometimes that does it for tonight's show I hope that you enjoyed it. Let me know what you thought about it by sending an email to sandman at parareality.com or you can simply visit the website for the show, parareality.com. That's where you can find out all kinds of information about the show. You can listen to the current and past episodes. And if you click, that's where you click on the archives there. And if you click on the extras tab, you can join the official Parareality Radio Forum. It's free to join, by the way. You can shop in the official Parareality Radio store. And you can even watch some show videos and other stuff like that. 
Don't forget to look up Parareality Radio on Facebook and follow me on Twitter. That's at Parareal Radio on Twitter. I post a lot of interesting stuff on Facebook and Twitter like upcoming shows and special guests and interesting articles and my opinions on things and stuff like that. So make sure you follow me both on Facebook, Parareality Radio on Facebook and on Twitter at Parareal Radio. Follow me both of those places to stay updated on what's going on in the world of Sandman and Parareality Radio. And speaking of Parareality Radio, you can now listen to the show on a variety of different websites and streaming platforms. The show can, of course, be heard right here on Spreaker, but you can also hear it on Facebook and YouTube as well. If you want to subscribe to my YouTube channel, my YouTube channel, my YouTube channel, it's Parareality and the number one on the end of it. So it's Parareality One. And if you want to stream the show, you can do it from Parareality.com. You can do it, of course, from Spreaker, or you can stream it on just about every streaming platform out there. Uh, there's Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM, Spotify. Castbox and iHeartRadio. Hopefully, I'll get the iTunes thing straightened out. I've tried to get it on iTunes. Uh, we're still working on that deal thing. So, hopefully, iTunes will be coming soon. Now, if you happen to have a smart speaker like an Alexa device, you can enable any of the Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, any of those skills that I just mentioned on those. Uh, on those uh, podcast networks, you can activate any of those skills, open them up, and simply say, Alexa, play Parareality Radio. Oh, man, getting done with the show a little bit early tonight. I still have ooh, five whole minutes that I need to stretch this out. I can do it. So let's talk about the next show. The next show is going to be available on Friday, August 16th. 2019 at 8 o'clock p.m. Central U.S. time. And I'm going to be concluding my three-part summer series on the moon. Happy 50th anniversary to the moon landing, which was, what, last week? Well, at the time that I'm recording this, it was last week. <laughs> By the time you're going to be hearing this, it'll have been about three weeks. But anyway, so um, 50th anniversary of the moon landing, and I thought, you know, I'm going to do a show about moon landing conspiracy theories. And then as I was putting the show together, I was like, man, I haven't done a summer series in a bit. So let's make a summer series on conspiracy theories of the moon. So there you go. First part of the series was moon landing conspiracy theories. Second part of the series was this podcast tonight, this episode, the hollow moon theory. And we're going to wind it up on August the 16th with a, one of my favorite topics, Nazis. And we're going to be talking about the possibility of a secret Nazi base on the moon. So make sure you turn on, tune in, and find out on August 16th at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time here in the U.S. Hopefully, Eric is going to be joining me back in the studio. He uh, took uh, the last... Um, he was supposed to have joined me on uh, the Moon Theory Conspiracy 
the moon landing conspiracy theory show, but uh, he did one of his uh, famous I'm going out of town things and uh, left. So I can't blame him. He's a young man. He's got uh, his life to to lead, and and uh, this is only a part-time co-hosting gig he's got going on here. Um, so um, he's going to hopefully be back in the studio for the Nazis on the Moon, and I'm really anxious to see what his opinion about that's going to be. So like I said, that's going to be on Friday, August 16th at 8 o'clock p.m. Central U.S. time, where we'll be winding up the summer series of the Moon Conspiracy Theories with Is There a Secret Nazi Base on the Moon? So make sure that you turn on, tune in, and find out. Everybody, I hope that this radio program opens up your mind to new ways of thinking, expands your consciousness, and produces a change in the way you see the world. If you wish to change, you must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. I hope that you have a wonderful evening, a great weekend, and I will see you again in a couple of weeks on Friday, August 16th at 8 o'clock p.m. Central U.S. time. Make sure you turn on, tune in, and find out. Everybody have a great weekend, and I will see you guys again in two weeks. Good night, everybody. You are listening to the award-winning Parareality Radio, providing you the best in paranormal radio since 2004. Join me, Sandman, and my roster of special guests, experts, and experiencers of the paranormal as we explore the realms of the known and the unknown. New episodes can be heard the first Friday of every month at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Listen online at parareality.com. Turn on, tune in, and find out. If you wish to change, you must first lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe.